Thanks, Dave. And now here's your Tan Talk Tampa Bay weather. Currently in beautiful Clearwater, Florida, 94 degrees and sunny skies. In Dade City, sunny and 86 degrees. And in Zephyr Hills, sunny and 92 degrees. Nostalgic Radio and Cars coming up next, followed by the original Gospel Explosion at 8. Here on the stations of the Tan Talk Radio Network. Don't touch that dial. I don't think it's a truck at all. I think we just found a transformer. This is Optimus Primer Button, leader of the auto part junkies. And I'm calling on all auto parts junkies to listen to nostalgic radio and cars every Tuesday at 7 p.m. here on Tan Talk. This is Optimus Primer Button. If you don't tune in, it will be the end of the world. Hey, this is Ted Nugent. Hi, this is Jay Leno. Hi, everybody. This is David Hobbs. Hi, this is Bob Marshall. Hi, I'm Barry McGuire. Hey, this is Danny the Count Coker. Hey, this is comedian, author, and most importantly, vintage race car driver, Adam Carolla. Hi, this is Shirley Cha-Cha Muldowney. Hi, this is Robert Yates. Hey, this is Lou Santiago. I'm John Forrest. Hey, this is Jack Roush. Hello, Florida. I'm Ken Squire. Hi, this is Etzel Ford. Hi, I'm Corky Coker. Hey, this is Dennis Gage. Hi, this is Sam Amolo. Hi, this is Janet. Guthrie. Hi, I'm Bruce Cohn. Hi, I'm Bob Lutz. Hi, this is Dave McClellan. Hey, this is Tammy Edelbrock. Hi, this is Norm Gravowski. Hey, I'm Dave Despain. Hey, this is Wayne Carini. This is Bill Warner. Hey, I'm Steve Bignanti. This is Kevin Bird. This is Arlen Ness. This is Ed Justice Jr. Hi, I'm Casey Jones. Hi, I'm Paul Kelly. I'm Richard Hutchins. Hi, this is Danny Sullivan. Hi, I'm Bob Bondron. Hey, everybody, it's Tim Strange. This is Daryl Starbird. Hi, this is Fort Hickok. Hi, this is Ed Skinnerian here. This is Robin Miller. Hey, Sports fans, this is Peter Brock here. And you're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Hey listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. We all love to eat. Well, I would like to tell you about my friends at the Rib Shack Barbecue on West Bay Drive in downtown Largo. Their menu offers family-sized takeout dinners like delicious ribs, chicken, beef, and pork, or sit-down barbecue dinners, sandwiches, and even desserts. They will also cater your party. Everything is barbecued fresh using real oak for that great smoky flavor. So visit my friends, Corey, Jed, and Kirk at the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 600 West Bay Drive, or call them for a takeout order at 727-501-9090. That's 727-501-9090. They truly have the best smoking barbecue in town. Oh, and be sure and check out their great barbecue sauce. That's the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 727-501-9090. I'm telling Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars sent you. This is Robert from Nostalgic Video and Cars, here to tell you about Bellador's Pizza and Pasta, where the food is fresh, the sauce homemade, and the price is fantastic. They offer Chicago-style stuffed crust pizza, New York-style pizza, calzones, strombolis, pasta entrees, beer one, and great desserts. They even make the bread fresh daily. Hey, they offer catering, and any order over 10 bucks, free delivery. So give them a call at 727-581-5000. Place your order now. They're located at 131 Clearwater Lager Road near downtown Largo. Or visit their website, belladorspizza.com. Gentlemen, start your engines. Hi everybody, this is David Hobbs, racing driver and speed commentator, and you're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars.
Okay, listeners, welcome. You're tuned into Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and I'm your show host, Robert. Run your computers and Google TanTalk1340.com, and you can see us live here in the studio in sparkling downtown Clearwater. If you've missed any of our past shows, be sure and check out our website, GolfStreetMotorsports.com, and you can go to our podcast page and hear all 250, 60, I don't know how many. we got a bunch of them out there. I know that. Bobby, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing just great. Do you remember what the count is? Was it 262, 65? Uh, about, about 262 or 263, right around that number. We're not doing too bad for five years. No, we're doing excellent. Yeah. Hey, don't forget to uh, also visit our uh, visit our Facebook pages, Gulfstream Motorsports and Nostalgic Radio and Cars. And don't forget to like us on both. And don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube, YouTube channel. channel. Yeah. Hey, guys, we got a great show for you tonight. I know everybody's a car guy. Everybody watches TV as well as listens to world-famous Nostalgic Radio and Cars here. And we've got some really, really fascinating guests coming on our show this evening. We have calling long distance from England. Yes, that's United Kingdom. England, across the pond, as they say. We have the two stars of the hit TV show, Wheeler Dealers. And I'm delighted to welcome to the show this evening, Mike Brewer and Ed Charnum. Are you guys there? We are. Well, so I am. (laughs) Technical difficulties. All right. Ed and Mike, are you guys on the air there? Ed is here. Ed is here. Okay, well, Ed, how you doing this evening? Welcome to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Thanks very much. Yeah, I'm doing great. So now you're over in the UK. When and now your show actually your new season that airs starts tomorrow, and that's the uh, United States, the USA edition. Tell us a little bit about that. That's correct. Yeah. We basically came over to Huntington Beach and set up a shop there because we were doing really UK, okay and we thought we'd kind of expand up. We're breaking up a little bit here. Uh, Ed, are you still there? I am still here. Okay. I'll see if I can get some uh, slightly better signal here. Um, How about Mike? Are you there? Is Mike on the air? Mike, are you there? Yes, Mike's here. Mike's here. Okay, so we got Mike and Ed. Okay, good. Now, we, can you guys hear us okay? Yeah, we can. You'd think this global technology would be sorted out by now, wouldn't you? You would think so, yeah, because it's got to go up to some satellite, bounce off another satellite, probably ricochet between a couple planets, and then come down here to our radio station. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So anyway, Ed, go ahead and finish. You were telling us about your store, your new place in Huntington Beach. That's correct. Yeah, we've we've actually kind of restored uh, ten cars while we've been out there, and um, it's been you know it's been quite a cool new experience. Lots of lots of new people and stuff, lots of new techniques and things. And we've got some amazing. This is a, a Pontiac GTO. Yeah, I just saw that. I saw a video on that. It's a 1965 GTO, and I was uh, well. Here, I'll let you tell the story because I kind of know a little bit about it, and you're here to tell our listeners. Well, I can pick it up if you like. I, I found the car in uh, I found the car in Chicago. Uh, both me and Ed wanted to do. Um, uh, an iconic American muscle car. Uh, we didn't want to fill the whole season with just muscle cars and uh, American cars. We, we mixed it up a bit. Uh, but one car that we was keen on was the 65 GTO. So I found a nice tri-power car uh, in, Cali- in Chicago. The car originally came from California. So uh, we, I went and got the car in Chicago, did a good deal on the, on the, on the, uh, on the car and uh, got it all the way back to where it came from originally, to California. And that's when I set Ed to work on it, and uh, he did a great job turning it around. Excellent. Now, that car, tell us a little bit about how you found the car. What, uh, what Did you find it on Craigslist? Did you find it on eBay? Did you find it on Cars Online? How did you go about finding the car? Yeah, I mean, listen, I spend most of my working hours um, just looking for cars. I've got contacts all over the world. Um, I've got people uh, emailing me almost on an hourly basis with cars that they've got to sell. Uh, but this car I actually found on, uh, I think it was Hemmings. Uh, so I just found it on an online site. I was trawling for cars and uh, just found it that way. 
and uh, it just fitted the bill. It was the it was the perfect car for what we needed. Excellent. Now, why don't you give us a little background on each one of you guys? Because Ed, you have an engineering degree, and Mike, you're a pretty much uh, a car guy. You've been in the business for a long time. Your dad was in the car customizing business. You had a four by four shop, and you're just uh, you're a wheeler dealer. I am a wheeler dealer. Yeah, I started off um, as a ver- at a very young age. My dad was a car customizer. I remember trawling around custom car shows with my dad and uh, showing some kind of vain interest in what was going on. Uh, with these weird and wacky cars, and I spent most of my summer holidays on the workshop floor handing my dad uh, a wrench and polishing it before I put it back in the tool chest. And I really learned a lot about cars without really knowing that I knew a lot about cars. And when I was 17, I I bought and sold my first car. I made more money than my friends who were working at the time uh, in just one deal. And I thought, well, that that was simple, that was easy, I'm quite good at this. So I, I started to buy and sell cars. Excellent. Now, Ed, you're an engineer. Tell us a little bit about your background. Well, yeah, I was a scientist and kind of designed big parts of it with satellites that were solar-powered and stuff, and I mixed those types, but I kind of did a stuff. I did loads of stuff with special effects when I was playing around with you two, um, over here, and building crazy cars. Um, so I just did cars that looked like, you know, driving sofas, driving beds and bathrooms and stuff. Um, spotted for a panic mechanic on BBC2, which is a, you know, TV show. Um, and Went from there, we ended up kind of getting chucked together with Mike uh, to do with the that kind of stuff. Obviously, that's what it started like 12 years, so that's the kind of the, the quick version. The quick version. How'd you guys come to be friends? Well, um, actually, well, we just kind of, we did a sizzle they, they, for the show. And I think Mike tested with somebody else. Ed, you're, bra- you're breaking up a little bit. Mike, we can hear you good. Ed, you're breaking up. I'm not sure. Are you guys okay. in two different locations? Yeah, yeah, no, we are in two different locations. We're different, you know, I'm, I'm in the middle of England and Ed's near London, so... Uh, but anyway, it's just technology. We um, uh, we we met. Uh, it was a, about nearly thirteen years ago now. So uh, uh, I was already making a television show. I've been making several television shows about cars, uh, and uh, I got approached by Discovery Channel to come and do the show uh, Wheeler Dealers. Um, at the time, they tested me with a, a mechanic who wasn't very good, to be honest with you, and. Um, at the same time, Ed China appeared on television on a very famous show called Top Gear uh, as a contributor on Top Gear. And uh, when it didn't work out with the original mechanic on this uh, tester tape, um, we uh, sort of almost found Ed by default. We'd just seen him on TV on Top Gear. And um, I'd heard about him and he'd heard about me because I was already quite well known. And uh, we got thrown together. Uh, at Ed's workshop, it was a, a really cool day. I, I turned up at Ed's workshop, and we almost sort of—if you pardon the pun—we almost sort of fell in love at first sight. And uh, we've never really parted. We've been making car shows together ever since. It's been great. It's a, a long-standing relationship. Well, well I've got to comment, commendate you guys, or commend you guys because. You guys work very well together as a team, both you and Ed. Ed, you do a great job. And what I like about what Ed does, I'm in the business, okay? I'm a car guy. I'm a dealer. I used to be in the salvage yard business. So when Ed talks about the mechanical stuff, he does it in simple terms. Everybody understands it. And when you talk about buying and selling cars, everybody understands that. You have a huge, huge following here in the United States. You guys are very well liked, I might add. Uh, that's very sweet, and that's very kind. And we love you know, we love the uh, the respect that we get globally. You know, from the show, and we, and uh, the truth is, you know, both me and Ed, uh, we work really hard at making it the best show we possibly can, and we want to make it understandable to everyone because we don't want to fill it with complications. We certainly don't want to put any false drama in the program like other 
motoring shows and um uh, the char- it, although you know you may say that we're great characters to carry the show uh, both me and ed always say the same thing the star of the program um, is not us it's the car you know we always have to pay respect to the car because uh, we just love restoring cars and putting them back on the road and, and saving them from the scrap heap and that's what keeps the show such a success i think Ed, what got you guys uh, interested in doing a show in the United States? Did Velocity approach you guys, or was that your idea to come to the United States? Yeah, well, I've quite some time. I'd obviously been on a series or season uh, with them um, for the, the previous years. I figured that it was a kind of a good idea. But then, because of the success of the show, they just wanted more episodes. So, uh, like this year, we just did 20 in a year. And in the previous season, sort of like, seen, it took about 18 months to do that. So, we were thinking, well, how can we squeeze more sort of time out of each day, if you like? And then it kind of made sense that during our, when it's very dark and rainy, we so then we can actually get more shows in the can, which is exactly what. So it was kind of a combination of things really all coming together. Very good. Uh, Mike, when you buy and sell your cars, the, like, for example, I was watching one the, the GTO episode, for example, which is already on TV or on YouTube, if I, it's okay to say. I know it's tomorrow's show. But, like, for example, on that car, you know, you bought the car for, if you don't mind me giving it away, and, you know, but there's people will follow it. But you bought the car at a realistic price. You made uh, a real, you, you, you set your goals at a realistic expectation, and you took a little bit less than what you were anticipating and see everybody can relate to that because that makes it real so how much input do you have to in in, in that regard uh, yeah we get a lot of input i mean the show is basically what me and ed think of of motoring you know it, uh, I, we both decide on what cars we're going to choose um we write lists and lists of cars that we want to put through the series some of the cars are unobtainable some of them are unrealistic and some of them are a, re- a reality uh, once we start pouring through the list of cars and seeing what is available out there we we i set off to uh, to find them uh, and then buy them uh, all the jobs you see are for real you know everything we do on the show is is completely real um and then when we come to sell them uh, the only the, the only thing that i would say is that both the truth is both me and ed really don't care for the profit it's always nice to earn a bit of money you know but we really more or less care about rescuing the car you know it's not it's real that, you know, I take less money for the cars sometimes, and that's really just to get them sold and, and to get them into new ownership so they just go on and live another day. Uh, for us, it's always been about the car, never really been about the money. Um, you know, we, we, we're two TV hosts that get paid by the channel, so, uh, we're, you know, the money is irrelevant to us. We, we're just happy to rescue the cars. When you do your show in England, you have a lot of foreign cars and occasionally an American car. Now that you're doing your show in the United States, are you going to stay with American cars or are you going to buy European no, cars as well? No, no, definitely not. You know, we get a lot of uh, Americans, the reason that they love our show, and, uh, and we hope it's the same for you, is because, you know, we do put a lot of European cars and cars from around the world that you wouldn't necessarily see in the USA. So... Uh, we were very adamant that we wanted to put uh, as much variety as the same as always in the show. And yeah, we've got the inevitable, you know, muscle car, the 65 GTO, but we've had muscle cars in the past, the Mustang, we've had the Dodge Charger. Um, but also we've got a 1959 MGA, a, a true British classic sports car. Uh, we've got a Datsun 240Z, you know, one of the best and finest cars from uh, from the Far East, from Japan. Uh, we've got the most wonderful BMW 2002 TII, which is a, a tremendous little German um, uh, little firestormer, really, a, a cracking little car that we're really excited to show you what we do with that. Uh, so we've mixed it up. You know, we've kept the series the same as we always did. Um, and we've even put a bit of fun in there as well. You know, this time around, uh, particularly in America, 
Ed wanted to do an AMC Pacer, uh, one of the cars that was loathed by the American audience, and um, Ed made me go out and buy one. So you, you've got a lot to enjoy. <laughs> Ed, you could have, uh, when you picked the Pacer, did you get one with the V6 or did you get one with a 304 V8 in it? Unfortunately, it was one of those cars, you know, that people deride it so much, but actually, um, they were so close to making a note. You know, that Mike kind of gave me was that to try and make a cool car. Now, whether you think that actually worked out on because I think it's one of those shows that maybe some people may hate, you know, other people might not like it so much. Um, but it was a lot of fun to do and push the boundary a little bit, I guess, with that car. But also, we've done some other an F1 truck that's actually a rat rod, and we've even got the Soto as well, the uh, Hemi end in there, which is kind of fun to take apart and have a look at and see how that. So, you know, you know, it's like a sort of discovery. Um, my job, I guess, is to impart that information to you guys. When you uh, pick these cars, do you try to get the cars with the minimal amount of work needed to be done? Uh, no, you know, the, the car, it, it's kind of weird. You know, both me and Ed, we've got a very weird uh, kind of buy-in ethos for our cars and for the show um, because we have to buy cars with problems on them. Otherwise, we don't get a car program. You know, it's as simple as that. And we want the, the, the problems on the cars to be as indicative to the car that, themselves, you know. So we want the, if it's a, um, you know, an MGA and they've got uh, the rust that appears on the front fenders and that's typical of an mg8 that's the kind of car i'm looking for so we can show people how to repair that uh, so we are the only two car buyers in the world who trawl the world looking for cars with fault uh, that we can we can show you on screen and turn it into a program it, 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 uh, it's funny because on the flip side of that i get you know quite a few people email me and uh, tweet me and facebook me and ed uh, and give me a hard time for giving ed all this work and uh, you know, saying I'm so cruel to him, you know, I'll give him all this work. But if they thought about it, if we didn't have the work, then they simply wouldn't have a show. <laughs> so uh, they've got a choice. I could turn up with a brand new car and we'd have no program. Or, you know, I can find a car with work doing, you get a show out of it. Well, I know on one of your other episodes I was watching where you bought a Jensen Interceptor, which is, I like that car. That's a pretty cool car. And that wasn't real complicated fix, but you had a Jaguar V12. That was a nightmare, wasn't it? It was. <laughs> that was a- <laughs> It's, I mean, we cars. I mean, I think that's the. I mean, one of the challenging things going back to actually the way you know, we, um, because we make sure that each job is kind of different to whatever it is uh, for you know per episode. So um, trying to keep them different each time is quite tricky. So when you, when you like the Jag, um, I mean, it was you know we had some easy jobs too and smooth, I guess. Interesting. Now, do you like working on the American cars because they're relatively easy? No, they are. I think you know they're. they're Often quite simply made. Together, yeah, we think about working out and hunting them. But um, parts are just so red. So, like, you know, we were them a kind of factory uh, option. Uh, and, you know, we're, you know, literally down the street from um, a shop that actually was a store that would sell the shelf. And you just think, well, that's crazy because they were actually. So, you know, that's one of the joys of working in America. And there How do you find sourcing parts in the United States for cars, let's say American cars, versus sourcing parts for your European cars when you're working on your show in Europe? Do you find it that we have a pretty good network over here in the United States? I yeah. find it much easier, actually. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, Ed's breaking up a little bit, so I'll just put this one up. I find it much easier. You know, we, we find uh, car parts uh, more obtainable in the same block as where we're working. You know, just round the corner, you can go and buy more or less anything that we need for uh, for cars. And even if it's a European car, you know, it's not too far away to find a part. Um, here in the UK, it's not too difficult. You know, you can find parts, but usually it's an overnight delivery service. But um, it's pretty much the same all over the world. It's just that it, it appeared that the time we was at Huntington Beach and uh, the time we were there, 
uh, almost everything was on our doorstep. It was such a great place to go and work. Now, what kind of car? Now, uh, Mike, I know you're a Mustang fan because somewhere I was nosing around on the internet, and I see that you're a real fan of a car, uh, Mustang, Ford Mustang, because you picked up a '67 Mustang and you sold that car, and then now recently you acquired a black car. Is that still? You still have that that's car? Cor- that's correct. Yeah, I've got my own '67 uh, Fastback, which I've uh, completely restored. Uh, it's my pride and joy. It's absolutely wonderful. I've got a '68 uh, Camaro SS uh, RS that's just going through restoration at the moment. That should be finished. Uh, in just a couple of weeks' time. Um, and so, yeah, I, I'm a big fan of those cars. They're the other kind of things I like. Uh, you're now going to ask Ed what he's got and get prepared for the weirdest list of vehicles you've ever heard <laughs> in your life. Well, we know he has a motorized sofa or loafer. Uh, so go ahead and, and dazzle us. Now, I will preface by saying, Ed, you are breaking up a little bit. I'm not sure if you're using Skype or not. So, Mike, if you have to, just kind of help out a little bit, okay? Yeah, no worries. Okay, go so ahead, we, Ed. Yeah, so we do have, I do have a sofa car, a car that looks like an office, another one, a bed, bathroom, a shed, a giant shopping trolley, um, strange cars, most of which I've built myself. I even have a driving orange, fish um, from an advertising thing a couple of years. Uh, you know, it's an orange. Um, i got a lot of stuff, but I have to keep it that way. <laughs> Interesting. Now, you're you're engineer by trade. And also, somewhere I was reading, you're kind of a product specialist. So, does that kind of like give you, like, you're experimenting with some of this stuff, trying to come up with you can, you're challenging yourself, so to speak, correct? Absolutely. Particularly, like, on, on, when it's on the show, I give it a go. But obviously, sometimes that damages the, uh, but so, like, if, like, on the F1 truck this year, uh, um, I've got to play around with lots of different techniques. And one of these seen anywhere else, and it's something I love, is if you, you know, sort of spray onto the glass of the car, it sticks. And then go see. So uh, to use that as a technique to actually kind of etch into the glass a little later and uh, experiment pretty cool. And hopefully uh, start a craze with that. So I get to experiment all the time. Interesting. Now, do you uh, do you experiment with alternative uh, power sources? In other words, do you mess with electric? How about uh, maybe um, propane, maybe, uh, you know, diesel or, I mean, or or any other kind of uh, source of uh, power to generate your, your toys? Your creations. Yeah, yeah. Um, the diesel is more common. Uh, the big trucks that, uh, that have that. So, so we're kind of more to that. But definitely, particularly over um, cars, one day will actually have to be sort of powered by electric stuff rather than you know, conventional motors. So that'll be kind of interesting. And in fact, the new sofa, which I'll get around four wheel drive, all electric, see how that's used for the motors under 3,500 power. So it's going to be a bit of a beast. Wow, that's incredible. Now, Mike, what are some of the places that you have been where you found the most unusual cars and really posed the an unbelievable challenge to uh, Ed as far as his uh, mechanical abilities? Uh, well, I suppose really not in America. You know, one of the uh, the most unusual places and, and probably the most unusual car uh, that we've ever bought on Wheeler Dealers was, was actually in Poland. Uh, it was a car called a Serena, uh, and why that uh, come with its own set of problems, it, the, it was almost like the Polish national car you know it was their it was their version of the trabant it was just a little cheap uh, car to get the nation moving uh, but what was very strange about this car it was almost backwards the the engine at uh, the radiator was behind the engine it had no distributor cap but it had three coils uh, so each coil would uh, have a pickup so when the engine rotated each coil would spark in turn therefore uh, spark in the three cylinder engine it was it was the weirdest little arrangement it had a huge great big uh, great big steering box in it that must have come off a uh, off a combine harvester a tractor or something uh, for this tiny little car steel wheels uh, so it was really heavy uh, to steer and drive around and it was about the size of a of a Toyota Yaris. Uh, so it's just the weirdest, oddest little car. And that's become uh, quite a challenge for him to work on. A, because 
you know, parts aren't readily, readily available, particularly in the, in the UK. And B, it was so odd in terms of its engineering. And uh, we pulled it out of the bag. You know, we, we, we did such a great job on the car and we turned it around. Um, and that's probably one of the most unusual cars we've ever featured. Interesting. I I, Go ahead, Ed. I was, um, I mean, the thing about the Serena was because they don't make them anymore from Poland apart, but even actually was our car, uh, which is a 93 Darak, so it's like 110 years, so there's definitely no way trolls uh, are similar in a way to what we have with Love Day cars. You know, everything had to be made scratch, so, you know, my parts for the water pump, you know, himself, on, you know, I had to have the wheel. That was a really kind of a fun thing about the adventure of going, playing with cars that are really very rare or very unique, um, to actually get them fixed and back on the road. Are you limited on how extreme you can go with the cars, or do you, is it a question of economics? Uh, well, I mean, look, you know, at the end of the day, we want to be realistic and we want to show people out there that the show is exactly what they could achieve at home. You know, some some of the shows, are, uh, to be completely honest with you and the audience, uh, it's just for fun. You know, we've just done a, a show back in the UK uh, that you're going to be seeing later on in the year. It's a small uh, Fiat Panda 4x4. Uh, there, we, we had no illusions that the car was going to make any money. Uh, we just did it for the fun of doing it and to have a small adventure. The same with the 1903 Dirac. It was, it was just about the sense of adventure. Um, but we do get a say in what we do. And sometimes we try to push the boundaries of what's possible to do within a, a limited budget. Uh, but we never go, you know, we're, we're never going to be the likes of overhauling or fast and loud where they take these cars and they trip them down and they spend hundreds of thousands of dollars with new crated engines and new transmissions and uh, completely fabricated interiors. We're not that kind of show. You know, what we do is what we do. We buy cars that anyone out there can buy. We fix them up in a way that anyone can fix them up. And then we sell them on. And hopefully there'll be a little bit of money at the end. But always bearing in mind that we've rescued the car. You know, that's what's good about your show. And that's what I was kind of alluding to at the very beginning is that your show is kind of like a DIY, a do-it-yourself kind of show. I mean, because everybody can relate to it. And that's and the honesty in your show is what makes it so pure and entertaining, you know, because, like I said, everybody can relate to it. How about motorcycles? Do you get to jump around in the motorcycles maybe? It's interesting you should like that. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, I'll let Ed pick this one up. Yeah, I'm really into scooters, and so look a bit crazy as small as that. I'd be better on with a bigger bike. Um, but I think my mother not cars when I was younger because I could have worked on them in my car. It sounds like we've lost him. Ed, are you still there? Yeah, because he is breaking up a little bit. Are you there? I'm on. You're breaking up a little bit, but I don't know if you're... Are you inside a house or something like that? I mean... Yeah, I'm high up as I can get the best signal. We seem to be the hole here. Well, since you're an engineer, we might have to have you shimmy up on the uh, lightning rod or something like that. <laughs> What's the weather like over there right now? Right now, it's kind of stopped raining. Okay. Well, Ed, you're an engineer. How about, uh, you know, maybe some uh, aluminum foil or something like that, a coat hanger? <laughs> I'm, th I'm just throwing stuff out at you. But anyway, go ahead. Talk about the motorcycles again. We'll try to get yeah, bits yeah. and pieces. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think it would be lovely to do that. I mean, they're smaller than sort of simpler in some respects. Um, the series you'll see season next spring, uh, which is like a three-week car scooter engine in it, two-stroke engine. So we do get to dabble with future seasons sometime soon. Uh, How about like a vintage Morgan? Because that's got that radial motor on the front. You know, that's a little three-wheeler. How about one of those? Yeah, that would be very cool. Like I, mean, that. I, a, I think that's a really cool thing to do. I'd love to do it. And, and that way we might satisfy both the uh, the motorcycle audience and the car audience as well at the same time. Yeah, well, I, I can relate to it. I, 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 I think that would be kind of cool. Now, what is it? Is there something out there that you'd really like to do, but you're 
budget doesn't allow you to do it. But I mean, something really, really wild. What would you like to do together? Well, I think there's, I think there's a couple of cars. Uh, I think one of Ed's most favourite cars in the world, and, and a car that we'd love to put on wheeler dealers at some time in the future, would be a called Phaeton. Oh, really? Uh, and that would yeah, that would be a, a wonderful thing to do. A Duesenberg as well. We'd love to do a Duesenberg. Uh, that would be a, another wonderful car we'd like to do. Um, so there's two classic American cars. Uh, me, I'd like to do something um, a bit more UK-based. I'd love. We've never done a Rolls Royce on Wheeler Dealers, and I think that you know to do the true British classic, what, what is a Rolls Royce? I think we could do that justice, and I'd like to do that at some point in the future. Very interesting. Now, what if you have you considered if you're going to do a car like that, which would be real interesting? I'm just throwing out a suggestion. You could do a special. And then do that car, that type of a car, a Rolls Royce or a front wheel drive, you know, like the late thirties, uh, Cord fading, you know, front wheel drive, like an eight ten or an eight twelve. That would be kind of cool. Uh, yeah, Absolutely. I mean, we 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 suggest these things all the time. Both me and Ed are, are always talking to the networks, talking to the channels, and we're always trying to push what's uh, what's possible. But bear in mind, we have to keep it realistic as well. You know, not everyone out there could afford to go and buy a, a Cord Phaeton or a you know, a 1920 Rolls-Royce Silver Ghost, you know, there's not a lot of people with that kind of uh, money out there, disposable income, um, and we do try to mix it up, you know, sometimes on the series we'll have a car that uh, could run into $20,000, $30,000, uh, but at the same time we want to keep cars in there that cost just a few thousand dollars. So uh, we, we, we always have that fight, you know, with, with ourselves and with the network to, to, to just get the balance right. Mike, you were involved in uh, another little show. It had something to do with uh, military vehicles. Tell us about that. That was over in Afghanistan. It was, yeah. I went to Afghanistan and did a series called Frontline Battle Machines. It's never played, actually, in the U.S. I'm, I'm heartbroken about that because um, it's such a great series. I, I put myself on the front line uh, in a war zone for uh, two months uh, and really got stuck in. And the idea of the show is that I would uh, test, fly, shoot, uh, you know, run with uh, every single piece of military equipment that was available to the troops. And uh, during my time there, I got blown out the sky in a helicopter. The pilot got shot in the face. I was chased by the Taliban for 14 hours. I got um, snipered on the front line. You know, lots and lots of things happened. And it's a very dramatic thing. You can find it online and, uh, and look it up on, I think, iTunes today. And uh, maybe one day, um, you know, Velocity Channel will play it in America and, and it will show, you know, me in a different light. And I, I know the time that I was there, you know, poor Ed and my wife and uh, lots of people were worried sick about me because I was in total blackout. I wasn't allowed to, to talk to anyone back at home. And uh, lots of scary things happened that sort of leaked out. And uh, I know everyone was worried about me. But fortunately, I came back in one piece. Wow. Now, both of you guys, you kind of uh, support charities. Tell us a little bit about some of the charity organizations you work for. Well, yeah, we, well yeah. Ed's work, um, I don't know if, if you can hear it. I, I can't, unfortunately, but um, Ed does a lot of work for Children in Need, which is a, a big charity in the UK. Um, Ed's done uh, charity work for not only Children in Need, but we also do a lot of work every year uh, for a company uh, and a big charity organization over here that's called Sporting Bears. And, and these are wealthy individuals, uh, wealthy individuals who have got some amazing cars, and they bring them along to events where you can pay a few dollars to go for a run, uh, a run around with the owner in their car, you know, take a selfie, uh, take a video of you enjoying the ride. 
uh, and these people give up their cars, their time, and uh, and uh, everything else. And and both me and Ed auction rides off. We we support those charities uh, wholeheartedly. Um, I've got some. I've lost my brother and my mother-in-law to cancer uh, just recently. So uh, I spend quite a bit of time trying to raise money for local cancer charities. And and you know we we try we try our hardest. You know we're we're in privileged position, me and Ed. Uh, and we get to do some amazing things with our life, and any opportunity we can uh, to put something back in, we, we will do. We're, we're both doing that on Friday. On Friday, we're doing a, a charity appearance at uh, a car show in England called Carfest, and on Bank Holiday Monday, we'll be doing the same at another charity car show, uh, which is on the south coast, which is called the Bexhill 100, uh, the birthplace of British motoring, uh, motor racing. So, um, you know, we, we, we try our hardest to raise what we can and do what we can. Well, that's very commendable of you. That's good because people sure appreciate that, especially people in need. Um, what is your thoughts on the wild and crazy classic car market, where these wild and crazy prices are going beyond belief? What are your thoughts on that? Or do you pay attention to it at all? Does it? Yeah, I'm, I'm well across the classic car market, and uh, I'm, I'm very abreast to what's happening at the moment. It, it does affect me and Ed. Uh, because it means our show becomes harder and harder to make because the car prices are, are, are rising faster than a NASA rocket at the moment, and uh, we're, we're struggling in some respects to find cars at the right prices. Um, I think it's, it, you know, it's a great thing. Since 2008, people decided not to put their money in banks. They decided to put them in tangible assets like cars. Uh, so the collective car market has, has climbed immeasurably. Uh, and both me and Ed have been riding the crest of that wave. You know, our show is at the right time, at the right period that, you know, we, we've managed to hit the sweet spot, and that's made a, a success of our show. Uh, but some, in some respects, both me and Ed, we stood at Barrett-Jackson together with our jaws on the floor watching things like, you know, um, 1952 Chevy, uh, sorry, Ford F1 trucks go through that have been uh, once, you know, touched by Boyd Coddington, and they go through and they make like $300,000 and we're like, Mike, you know, where's it going to end? You know, the, that means that everybody else in the whole of the world is an F1 truck instantly thinks that their truck's worth $100,000 <laughs> and it prices us out the market. So uh, I, I, I think this crest is going to continue. I think this bubble is going to continue to grow before it explodes uh, because cars are becoming fewer and fewer. Uh, but the market's definitely changed. Whether it's changed for the better, we're not to know yet. I think we'll find out in the future. The MGA, for example, you bought that here in the United States. So let's just say, what did you pay for that car? Somewhere between eight and ten grand, and you need a little bit of. I paid eleven thousand dollars for. Okay, all right, that's a good price and a solid car out there in California. Yeah, really, really solid car. I bought it uh, in Beverly Hills. It was a, it was a good car. It was beaten. The car was just absolutely beaten by the Californian sunshine. Uh, the leather was dried out and finished, and uh, the dashboard, the wooden dashboard, was uh, like a piece of uh, driftwood from the beach. Uh, the paintwork had gone. Uh, there was a little bit of rust inside the uh, inside the trunk and uh, on the front fenders, like there always is on those cars. Um, and the car was just really threadbare. It was beaten by the sun, but it was a you know a good good solid foundation underneath. So when you buy a car like that, do you try to, for the purposes of the show, do you try to sell it here in the United States, or do you put it on the global market? No, we put it on the global market. In fact, we sold that car to a buyer in England. Okay. <laughs> <But> rather ironically, <laughs> yeah, we go all the way to America and start selling cars back to people in England, which was uh, quite incredible. 
Now, the GTO, I heard, went overseas too, right? It did, yeah. The GTO went overseas. We did a, a Volkswagen thing that ended up in Japan. Um, what was the other car? We did a uh, the Ford F1 truck that was uh, sold to England as well. Uh, yeah, quite incredible, actually. Uh, you know, we advertised these cars on a global market, and uh, we had lots of interest from the U.S. Lot, uh, you know, lots of people in the U.S. were, were keen on the cars, uh, but there were people jumping on planes and, and flying out to come and get them immediately. And, you know, that's part of the success of the show. You know, people want to buy a car that's been bought by me and worked on by the genius that's Ed. Because you guys have okay. a great, great reputation. Go ahead, Ed. Thank you. Thank you. International, global um, sort of market, if you like. In a way, we have 220 territories watching our show with 200 million viewers, and it's um, obviously, as Mike says, wants to get involved. But equally, you know, we've kind of helped the whole classic car scene. I think because of the show, people feel more sort of take on a car because they know um, within the strength of the market. And I think that's possibly what's going to help it endure. People aren't buying cars now as trinkets; they're buying, you know, because they, you know, sort of knuckle deep into something like to actually really have. I think the, you know, the People are looking for these cars all over the world, and therefore that's why we end up selling them all over the world. Wow. Um, the the show that you do, what are the as far as like when you're in the United States, how far will you travel? Will you come as far as Florida by any chance to pick up any cars? Oh yeah, no, we went to uh, Seattle, uh, to Carolina, uh, Florida. Yeah, no, I, I'll travel if there's a bargain to be had. If there's a car that's worth uh, worth doing, you know, I'll travel to go and find it and. Uh, we're happy to work on cars wherever they come from. Okay, so now your show tomorrow airs on Velocity Channel. And so what time does it start tomorrow night? It starts at 9 o'clock. 9 o'clock, okay. So now now you're back in the U.K. Do you start filming for the U.K. season? Yeah, we just, uh, we've almost finished filming, actually, for the U.K. season, which is great. And uh, that season that we've shot another 10 shows in the U.K., will be airing in uh, America on Velocity, we hope, by the end of the year. If not, it will be the early part of uh, 2016. And, um, you know, that's another great series, another 10 cars. They're all uh, European and UK-based cars. And uh, and I think you're going to, and Japanese, I think you're going to uh, love that season that's coming up. Uh, and both uh, Ed and I are venturing back out to California again. And uh, we're going to be continuing our adventures together and hopefully buying and selling more cars across the world. That sounds great. Now, are you guys going to be at SEMA this fall? Like, I met you guys actually this past SEMA. They had the special Velocity Channel little uh, get-together there. It was a little private party. So I had an opportunity to meet both you guys, both Ed and Mike. And uh, so are you guys going to be at SEMA this year? We Absolutely. certainly are. Pardon me? We certainly yeah. are. Okay, good. I look forward to it. Hopefully, they'll get you guys back on stage again because that was great. That was uh, You guys no, did a great it, job. It, yeah, it's wonderful to do. Now, do you, are there plans to do any other shows? Are you kind of comfort, comfortable where you're at? Or, like, I mean, I, I guess you signed up for a contract for, what, a couple more years? Is that the way that works? Yeah, yeah, so busy. So, you know, we're going to get through all the cars we can find, and, uh, and so we carry on. It's always fun. Yeah, I mean, we're just we're, we're, we're sort of just concentrating on, on Wheeler Dealers at the moment. We've always got the options of, uh, of doing other shows either together or separately, but... You know, uh, at the moment, both of us are concentrating on getting as many Wheeler dealers as we can. That's where the success is. You know, that's what the audience wants. Uh, it's funny, you know, all the time I was in Afghanistan on my program, all that happens is people are asking, where's Ed? <laughs> all the time. And uh, if ever we're doing something separately from each other, people are asking for the other one. So, you know, the strength of us is, is what we do together, right? And, uh, and long may it continue. 
Well, no, you guys make a great team. You guys got a great show. And again, I want to thank you very much for taking the time out to come on uh, Nostalgia Radio and Cars and share some of your stories and stuff. Is there any unique stories that you'd like to tell anybody? We got about uh, 10 minutes left if you guys uh, want to say something. It's up to you. You got a really cool story you want to tell us, Mike? And I've got lots of cool stories. Some of them are probably not ready for the uh, radio audience. So if you want to be <laughs> keeping car related, I can. Well, yeah, no, no, no. I mean, car related. Something that was like really, you know, like a, just a. Uh, something that started out that was kind of like, oh man, is this really going to happen? And then turned out to be for the best. You know, yeah, just a no, cute little stories. I'll, 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 t- I'll tell you a, a, a great story. Um, Ed, uh, for the last, and this is like, uh, you got, imagine Ed as a, as a, a petulant child in a, uh, in, in the supermarket. When he wants something, he wants it. And Ed will keep stamping his feet until he gets it. You know, he'll, he'll almost throw himself in the, in the supermarket aisle and, and scream and shout until he gets what he wants. Uh, so for the past uh, 12 years or 11 years then, Ed uh, kept saying to me, we must get an amphicar. We need an amphicar. You must get an amphicar. And that's been rattling through my head for years and years and years. And to be honest with you, I've had no interest in an amphicar whatsoever because I know particularly amphicars are rubbish cars and and they're, uh, well, uh, uh, you don't understand the word rubbish, I do believe. Yeah, I do. Uh, oh, you do? Right, yeah. okay. They're rubbish, they're rubbish cars, and they're rubbish boats. They're not very good at all. Uh, but Ed uh, wore me down, you know, by him going at me for 11 years. He wore me down. He said, please buy an empty car. Uh, so we threw the budget uh, into the, uh, literally into the water with this one because I flew to Florida. I found a, an empty car for sale in Florida that was on a swamp invest in uh, alligator infested uh, lakeside uh, and I went and got this amphi car and bought it back to England it was the only one really for sale at the right price um, now the car was hideous it had so much work that poor old Ed uh, spent many a, a midnight hour in a workshop uh, welding in new panels trying to make this this sorry little car as watertight as possible um, and the thing is, Ed never complained once because it was what he wanted to do. This was his dream to have this car to work on in the workshop. And it was really great. And uh, once the car was finished, it was an absolute miracle. This car where we were from the sorry little blue car that I bought to the red, amazing looking machine uh, where it ended up in the end. Um, Ed uh, done such a, a great job. We decided to give it a heroic test drive. And we take, took it to the River Thames uh, to drive it past Buckingham, uh, sorry, Windsor Castle on the, on the River Thames. And we decided to give it this amazing test drive. And um, the car, although I will say I hated it and I really couldn't find any love for it all the way through, as soon as it went in the water, as soon as you, you get it in the water, your life just changes because you're driving a car in the water and it becomes the most amazing machine. And at that moment, I completely got it. And I completely got Ed's fascination and the reason why we had to have one. It was still rubbish as a car. It was still rubbish as a boat. But the fact that it did both was absolutely amazing. And it's still today, and, and Ed say the same, it's still the best day's filming we've ever had in the 11 years we've been together. That and and a, a trip in the Dolomites and the Lamborghini. It's still the best fun we've ever had making a car show was doing that together. It was hilarious, and all because of the character and the charm of the vehicle. It was wonderful. 
That's a great story. That's a good story. Now, you mentioned something about Lamborghini, and interestingly enough, I just got a text because Jim Kaminsky, a real good friend of ours, is president of the Lamborghini Club. So since you mentioned Lamborghini, go ahead and tell us the Lamborghini story through northern Italy there because you said the Dolomite, well, this, so it's the Dolomite. This is, Ed, this is Ed's story, so I'll let him take over. Yeah, yeah. The same being petulant as always. We'll do a Lamborghini on the show for a long time. And then back, it was actually the 50th anniversary so I figured this is now to do this. And thankfully, um, what, what kind of Lamborghini was it? Well, actually, well, anything we could afford. And in the end, uh, what came up, there were like two goes. Uh, You're breaking up. I didn't quite catch that. Sorry. It had two. It was a Uraco. Oh, Uraco. That's a good car. That's a fantastic car. And it was the, the chrome bumpers trims that was by far the prettiest that they made um and it was just the most amazing car but when Mike found it um his car collection and you know the bees on you know, much didn't work but we didn't know very much time and he couldn't even run it up and i just said don't bother get it so he had to sort of do all kinds of kind of messing around and then through the whole checking the main thing was that you know sort of all the and, and, and police blow itself up when we first started it uh and just checked it all out and then sort of up i mean the paint was really good the interior um finally got to drive it and we took it down to the dolomite and, and joined in for the 50th anniversary you know with lambert um and it was a day we were driving around it was just absolutely fantastic but then the next day we actually joined in from rome to bologna um, and we kind of got in all these other there was mirror there everything um and we snuck in we were told typically we would go into the main square and um, but, and of course the italians loved it because he had another lamborghini and so we went i think it was was it eight power, I think, in one in one square. Um, and two, I think it was 220. Though. Anyway, a lot of horsepower in this one square. Just the most amazing. And they, so I was a very happy man. Did you get the bonsai down the autostrada? <laughs> we went <out> good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, and the one, the one, I don't know if Ed told you, but actually, uh, you know, it was his birthday as well. So not oh. only was it, well, not only was he with his best buddy driving a Lamborghini Uraco, we were traveling in the Dolomites on his birthday, and it was just the most wonderful experience. That's that's pretty country over there in Suterol in uh, northern yeah, Italy. That's, well, guys, we're just about out of time. I want to thank you very much for coming on the show. Do you guys want to go ahead and plug your show and plug your website real quick? Yeah, that'd be great. Um, you can catch me and Ed on uh, Wheeler Dealers, which starts at 9 p.m. on Wednesday on Velocity Channel. You've got a run of 10 shows to look forward to, and we really hope you enjoy it. Uh, you can find uh, both me and Ed online. On Twitter, it's at Ed China or at the Ed China. Uh, I, for me, it's at Mike Brewer. And on Facebook, you can find Ed at Ed China. And you can find me at the Mr. Wheeler Dealer, I do believe. Um, and uh, you can find us on our websites. We've got uh, greasejunkie.com, which is Ed's website, and mikebrewer.tv. And, uh, you know, we'd be pleased to. Uh, to engage with the audience on social media anytime we can. And uh, we appreciate this uh, conversation that we've had with you tonight. Super, super, super. Now, Mike, I have your business card, and there's an email address on it. So if I shoot you an email on there, I'll send it to you. And if you're ever looking for cars in Florida, please keep me in mind. I will do. Yeah, no, definitely. Okay. You'll get an email back with a long list. You shouldn't have said that. That's perfect. Well, <laughs> plus, 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 I'm a parts junkie. So, you know, maybe I can help you out with used parts, too, because I used to be in the wrecking yard business. So, hey, again, I want to thank my very special guests, my new friends, Mike Brewer and Ed China, hosts of Velocity Channel's hit TV show, Wheel of Dealers. I want to thank you guys very much for calling all the way from England. In spite of the fact we had a little bit of technical difficulty, I think the show went over very, very good. I look forward
forward to meeting you guys in uh, Las Vegas at SEMA in this November. And you guys take care. And I will certainly be watching your show debuts tomorrow evening, the California edition of Wheeler Dealers. Wonderful. Thank you. Take care, Thank guys. You. Hey, Bobby, how are we doing on time? To one minute. One minute? Are we that, that close? Wow. Wow, that was cool. Hey, we had these guys on for a whole hour calling long distance from England. I'm very, very thankful for that. That was good. In spite of the fact we had a little bit of technical problems, I think the show was a very, very good show. These are really nice guys. I met these guys in person. Definitely check out their show, Wheeler Dealers on Velocity Channel. These guys do a great job. It's a realistic show. These guys are honest car guys, and there is honest car guys in the business. In the meantime, I want to thank all my listeners for tuning in to Nostalgic Radio and cars. Don't forget to check out our show every Tuesday night, 7 to 8 p.m. Be sure to check out our website, GolfstreamMotorsports.com. Don't forget to like us on Facebook, Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and Gulfstream Motorsports. And don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Did I do that right, Bobby? You bet. I'm getting better at it, aren't I? Okay, so we're just about out of time. In the meantime, everybody, stay safe, drive carefully, and love your family. Telling tales out of school, but there's a fella in there who'll pay you ten dollars if you sing into his can. Downtown Dave. I'm not here to take a record, you dumb cracker. It broadcast me out on the radio. WTAN, Clearwater, Tampa Bay. WDTF, Dade City, Tampa Bay. WZHR, Zephyr Hills, Tampa Bay. Listen. You dumb cracker.